Welcome to Passion Life Church. Well, I'm so glad that you're here at church this morning. We are continuing this amazing series. I hope you've enjoyed it. We started it last week called Overcomer. Say it with me. Say, I am. I am. Say it like you are. I am an overcomer. I want you, if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Ephesians chapter 6, because this is where we are looking at in the next couple of weeks, and I'm believing that this series is going to help us understand, I think, why we're facing some of the things that we're facing, some of the battles that we're facing, and, uh, and help us really to know how to overcome them. I, I really believe that God will give us wisdom. He made us. He knows us, and he's going to give us wisdom through his word on how to overcome, and so I've entitled today, It's Time to Get Get dressed up. It's time to get dressed up. Have you found Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10? If you do, say whoop, whoop. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, Paul is writing to us and he says, Finally, my brother, be my brother, and be strong. Everybody say, be strong. We talked about last week how spiritual battles require supernatural strength. Not natural strength, but supernatural battles require supernatural strength. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power. Somebody say power. Power of his might and put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil. Verse 12, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood. People are not our problem, right? You may be mad at people and the enemy can influence people, but... I'll tell you what, people are not our problem. There's a bigger uh, battle that we can't see at times. But he says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, powers, against rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. And let me just say, as we read that, you may be cringing like, wow, that's, that's really scary. Here's the thing, the, all of those are defeated in Jesus' name, right? But he's letting us know what they are so we can be aware. Verse 13, wherefore, now he's gonna say it again, take unto you the whole armor. Everybody's say the whole armor and what's important to know about this whole armor that we're going to look into is that these pieces that we talk about they all work together the armor all works together so he says put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all to stand and where do we stand we stand in the victory that Jesus already won, right? We said last week, I'm not fighting for victory. I'm fighting from victory. Now, I may not be seeing that right now in my natural or through my natural eyes, but the truth is through faith, it's already been won. And if we'll stand in that victory, if we'll stand in that peace and not allow the enemy to get us out of the place of victory, get us out of the place of peace, you will see it. You will see that victory. But he says, wherefore, take unto the whole armor of God that you may withstand in the evil day, having all to stand, right? Stand, therefore, having your loins girt about with truth and having the breastplate of righteousness. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, speak to us, Lord, by your word, but not only by your word, by your spirit today. May we be moved today by your spirit, supernaturally, Lord. Give people today the answers that they need to the problem that needs solving in Jesus name your word father God is life and it is spirit to us today use me Lord may my tongue be of a pen of a ready writer in Jesus name and everybody said amen I don't know how you dress I don't know your flow right I don't know certain things that you may like certain things that you don't like but one thing that I've learned, you know, just being married, and how many of you guys would be honest enough to say that your, your, your wife helps you get dressed? Come on, somebody. Where are the honest men? All right, we got one honest man here. All right. Maybe some of you ladies don't care what your man wears. I, I don't know. 
but I need a little help sometime. And what I've learned by being married is that we always look at the weather before we get dressed, and we want to know, am I going to be cold? And I don't know, it's just maybe I'm getting older, but I never used to be really cold. I would always just be like that guy, I'm in shorts, right? It could be 30 below, and I'm like, yeah, I'm in shorts and a tank top. I'm not that guy anymore. Like, I'm, I'm cold. Like, there's a breeze. I'm like, ooh, that, that, that's cold. So I got to look at, <laughs> at the app to see what do I need to wear because I'm getting dressed for where I'm going. Um, you know, sometimes I think it's funny because I'll go to Stater Brothers and I'll be in a full-blown suit and people look at me and they see me in Stater Brothers in a full-blown suit. Well, here's the thing. I didn't dress in a full-blown suit to go to Stater Brothers. I dressed for the wedding that I'm about to perform. So I'm dressing for where I'm going. You may see me at Stater Brothers in a suit, but that's not really what I'm about. I'm about going and dressing for where I'm going. Now, if I'm going to Walmart, I can go in my PJs. Come on, somebody. And so <laughs> I love Walmart, and we know the people at Walmart that we like to, hey, you going to Walmart? Hey, we don't even care about what we're going to wear. We're just going to go to PJ in, in our PJs. I remember one, one time it was, it was kind of late at night, and our, 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 uh, my, father and brother, uh, my father and mother-in-law came over, and uh, they knocked on the door, and I answered the door, and they were coming over to see my son. I was in my PJs, and my, my father-in-law said, hey, are you going to Walmart? <laughs> just because I was in my PJs. And, uh, you know, come on, somebody. I'm not, I'm not dogging Walmart, but people that, that, you know, I don't know. There's just a dress code there that I guess people don't care about. But it's different when you're going to Target or Target, however you want to say it. But, you know, I, the thing is, is I always want to dress appropriately for, for where I'm going. When I, when I do weddings, you know, I, I ask the people, I said, okay, so what are we dressing like? Because I would hate to show up in a full-blown suit and then everybody's in, in Hawaiian shirts and shorts, you know, and there I am in a suit. I, I don't want to be overly dressed. I want to be properly dressed. And I, I think that that's important. And uh, I remember uh, this last 4th of July, we were going over my brother's and he, uh, we were going to swim. And so we had prepared to swim. How do you know when you got kids, you got to get, you know, their shorts and their little things and all that stuff and your towels. And, and I mean, you really prepare to do that. And so we were at my brother's house. We had prepared to swim. We were all in the pool having a great time. Well, we had some of our crazy family come over. How many of you have some crazy family? Let me see your hand. All right, cool. Here's what I know about the the people that aren't raising their hands. If you're not raising your hands, you might be that crazy family member. So let me try that again. How many of you have crazy family? We all have crazy family, right? We do. And so some of those crazy family came in. Now, I just mind you, we had prepared to swim. We were having a great old time. The kids were jumping on rafts, and it was amazing. And the next thing I know, one of those crazy family members that I will not mention their name, but all of a sudden, I guess he saw that we were having so much fun. His wife was sitting at the edge of the pool. She was holding their one-year-old. And I don't know what got into his mind but he saw us all in the pool and he did not dress appropriately for the pool how many of you know it's hard to swim in jeans how many of you know it's hard to swim in khakis right so he sees us all having fun he did not dress correctly he literally takes off his pants takes off his shirt and he is in his whitey tighties come on captain underpants tra la la right and what i'm about to explain to you uh, some of you may want to cover your kids ears but here's the thing it happens so fast we looked and for some reason i just look and i see this grown man in his underwear running towards the pool and this this is kind of how it happened. This is how I remember it. He's coming and he's running and I'm, first I'm in shock. 
And then all of a sudden, I see him jump over my head, and I'm like, Jesus, cover my eyes, Jesus. Oh, Lord. And then I'm covering my eyes. I'm trying to cover my eight-year-old son's eyes, my niece's eyes. I'm like, oh, Jesus, help us today. And he does a cannonball in his underwear. His son starts crying. His wife gets up, walks into the room. Everybody clears the pool. Come on, somebody. Everybody clears the pool. It was awful, you know, but here's the thing. Can I just tell you, you don't swim in your underwear. And I don't care how, how young you are, it's not cute. It's not cute. Swimming in your underwear shouldn't be. But listen, going undressed to a battlefield and not dressing appropriately for the battle will leave you vulnerable to what the enemy has for you. And nobody should go on the battlefield not dressed correctly, right? No one should go on the battlefield in their undies. No one would go play football without putting on. No one would go play NFL football with a helmet, without a helmet, without shoulder pads, right? We call that rugby if you go out there without, without the padding. But you know what's interesting to me? So many people are trying to fight a battle today that they're not properly dressed for. And they're not properly dressed for and the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 6 that we're supposed to put on the whole armor of God. And what does that mean? I want to break this down today. And I think this is really going to help you because all these pieces work together. But let me just tell you why you need this armor. You need this armor because you're in a battle. We're in a battle. And this battle happened even before you were born. When you were born, you were born into this battle. Come on. It's the battle against the Avengers and Thanos. Come on, somebody. Some of you don't know that. Uh, but let me just give you a little spoiler alert. If you're going to go see the movie, go to the bathroom before you go see the movie. It's over three hours long. I had a guy tell me yesterday, he said, I went to go see the movie, and he's like, I fell asleep and um, woke up, I think, at the best parts. So I was like, that's cool. So you go to the movies and pay to go take a nap. That's pretty amazing. I, uh, that's an interesting concept. I've never, I've never, I just usually stay home and sleep on the couch. But here, here's the thing. This battle is against the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of God. And the battle between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of darkness, I want you to hear this today, is a spiritual battle. It's a spiritual battle. I'm going to tell you why. Because you have a spiritual enemy. His name is the devil. And he is a spiritual enemy. And the truth is, for a spiritual enemy, you need spiritual strength and you need spiritual armor. How do I know that? Because these are the battle plans that God has given us to let us know how we overcome. This right here is the battle plan. And he tells us you have a spiritual enemy and you need spiritual strength and you need spiritual armor. But here's the cool thing. Your enemy has already been defeated. I love what we sang today. God has no rival. The, we call him the enemy, but in truth, with God, he's already defeated. He, he, God has a thousand trillion times more power than the enemy could ever have. He has no power. The only power that this supernatural enemy has is the power that you and I give him. I want to talk about that today because here's the reality. This devil hates you, and I'm going to tell you why he hates you. He hates you because he hates God. He hates God. Now watch this. He cannot hurt God. Not in the least bit can the devil hurt God. So when you can't hurt someone, who do you go after? You go after their kids. So you and I are in the middle of a spiritual battle. So if the enemy cannot hurt God, here is what he wants to do. He wants to hurt you. 
We talked about in John chapter 10, verse 10, Jesus said, I have come that you might have life and life more abundantly. But he also said the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Well, he's not stealing from God, right? He's not stealing God's joy or God's peace. What he wants to do is he wants to steal from you because he wants to get back at God. So you are in the middle. Now, as you look at me today, you go, wow, Pastor Phil, like, I didn't choose this battle. I didn't choose it either. To be honest, I didn't choose it. But we were born into it. And here's what you're going to need to do. You're going to either need to adapt and get and put your armor on so you can win, or you will be defeated whether you chose it or not. Can I hear a good amen today? And I love this series because this series, I can talk a little bit more blunt. I can use fighting words because we're in an overcoming series. And so we can use, because Paul uses, fight the good fight of faith. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. And I love that. But can I just tell you, the devil hates you because he hates God. God. Now watch this. When the devil looks at you, he sees God because you're made in his image. You are made in the image of God. I'm not saying, don't misunderstand. I didn't say you were a God. I said that you're made in his image. So when the devil looks at you, he hates you when he looks at you. And here's what's amazing. When you start reading this word and you start reading the word of God and speaking the word of God, not only do you look like God, but now you're talking like God. He hates that. And not only do you look like God, and when you read this word, are you talking like God? Here's the truth. When you start acting on the word of God, now you start to act like God. And that is the plan. But that's why he hates you so much. And the devil does not want you to experience this great life that Jesus came to give you. Right? So he's going to try to hurt God by getting at his children. So here's what I'm hoping in this series. I'm hoping that this series would be a wake-up call to sound the alarm to say, hey, listen, it's time to get dressed for battle. It's time to get prepared because life's battles are happening whether you realize it or not. Anybody... uh, can agree with that today, that whether you choose it or not, yeah, come on, you can, you can clap. And let's get a little more serious. It's the battle for your life. And for those of us who have not received Jesus as our Lord and Savior, it's a battle for your eternity, where you'll spend eternity. Man, that's serious. That's serious. And I want to make it serious, but here's the thing. I want to remind us again that he is defeated. But as 20 years pastoring people, there's a lot of Christians who are living defeated, even though the Bible calls us a world overcomer. So what's going on? Was that a bless you? Whatever that was. That was like in that high range right there. God bless you, man, or whoever that was. Wow, that, that, that's cool. God bless you. But here's, here's, here's the truth. It is a serious thing. But we have overcome. But I think for us as Christians... We're not getting dressed for the battle. And I want to help us today. I want to help us today understand that there's a battle going on. It's an unseen battle that you may not see in in the natural realm. But here's the cool thing. Not only does God give you spiritual strength for a spiritual enemy, he gives you spiritual armor to fight this spiritual battle because you are an overcomer. Come on, turn to your neighbor just real quick and say, it's time to get dressed. Here's the cool thing about this armor that God gives us. It's supernatural. It's supernatural armor. And I want us to understand that if you use the armor, if you use it, because God gave it to you, then you know what? You will overcome. 
Now, let me give you a little background on Ephesians that we just read when Paul's writing this passage about this armor. Paul's actually in prison. He's chained to a Roman soldier, a Roman centurion, and he's sitting there, and as he's writing this, it's pretty amazing. Paul is just an amazing guy. God used him. If you were sitting in a prison chained to a Roman guard, most of us, I think, would be down, out, depressed. He picks up a pen and starts writing for the Bible. And he's writing, and what he's doing is he's talking about this spiritual battle, this spiritual warfare, and he's looking at a Roman soldier, and he's like, ooh, I can use this. I can use this analogy of the armor that the Roman soldier has on so we can understand the armor that God gives us. And I wish I had time to go into it more, off, more, but the truth is the armor that God gives us is the very armor that he wears himself. God wears armor. And I wish I had time to really go through and, and do the parallel, but I, I don't have a, a, a lot of time. But Paul's writing this, so he's looking at a Roman soldier, and he's comparing every part of the Roman soldier's armor, weaponry, protection, right? And he's making a spiritual parallel. Jesus did that. Jesus talked about, how did he talk about supernatural things? By talking about natural things, right? So we could understand, and he made that parallel. And Paul's doing the same thing. Paul's looking at a Roman soldier, and he's going, all right, this, this is the thing. And if you put on this armor, it'll help Help you fight against depression, despair, defeat, doubt, difficulty. And you know what? You can overcome if you put on the armor. And so today what I want to do is I want to look at the first piece of armor today. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 14 says, Stand therefore having girded your waist with truth. Everybody say truth. Truth. Now, what does it mean to put on the armor of God? What does that mean? Well, I like to look in the Greek because the New Testament was written in Greek. And it simply means this. Just like you would put on your clothes today, you the actual Greek word is sinking into to get into. Today I am wearing clothes and you can only see my hands, my neck, my face because everything else is covered. That is the point of the spiritual armor, to cover you. But I have to put it on. And I'm going to show you. One of the ways that we put it on is by using the armor. See, I put this, my khakis on today. I put my jacket on today. I'm using the jacket by putting it on, slipping into it so it covers me. So as we talk about these different pieces of the armor that work together, you're going to see that all of these pieces are meant to cover your life from all the fiery darts that the enemy is going to shoot at you. And he is going to shoot at you. And the Bible says that it's going to help us against the wiles of the devil. The word wiles in the Greek means this, the trickery of the devil, the lies, the deceit of the devil. And so when we put this on, it's going to cover us. So Paul's looking at this Roman soldier and he goes, all right. And he, he puts this, and I think there's a specific order to this, but here's what he says. He wants us to have our loins. Now we don't usually use that word today, <laughs> loins, you know, but I, I like to say it like this. It's the belt of truth. So here's what Paul talks about. Paul is talking about putting on a belt. Now, if you've seen wrestling or maybe even uh, Olympic wrestling, you've seen people, uh, they've put on a belt. Some of you wear a belt around your back and front side when you go to work to hold your back and hold you in a position, right? Um, you see a lot of police officers, they have their belt. I mean, it's got their handcuffs in it. It's got their gun. Well, when Paul was looking at this Roman soldier, he saw that this belt was holding the sword, holding things 
And so he makes this parallel that the belt actually gives you support. I don't know about you, but I am really, really crazy about my belt. I have gone in public without a belt, and I feel, I just don't feel like I'm all put together. How many of you have ever had that? Like, where's my belt? And then, I don't know. And then something I've learned, if I don't have a belt, my zipper doesn't always stay up for some reason. And so then I'm insecure about my zipper because I don't have my belt on. And for me, my belt really is so important. And so just like the belt holds, here's what, the, here's what it does. It holds the armor together. The belt does. I, I put a little diagram. If you could just put that little picture up. I like this. I found this online. And someone outlined the armor. And look, look at where the truth is. The truth is like this stable belt that holds the armor together. And I, I thought about this. That really makes total sense. Truth holds everything together. Truth will hold your life together. And here's what he's saying. If you'll put on truth, right? If you'll get into truth, truth will hold not only your life together, but truth, if we look at the word of God, actually is holding the world together. It's being held by God's word, which is truth, right? And so if we believe that we have truth, then our lives will be stable. Can I just ask you a question? Do you believe it is true that Jesus rose from the dead? Do you believe it's true? Because here's the, that's, a, that's a pivotal thing for our Christian faith. Because if Jesus just died like everybody else died and didn't rise from the dead, then he was just like any other man. But the truth is, now, why do you say this is truth? Well, it's because the Bible says, I know what the Bible says, but for a lot of unbelievers, the Bible is not good enough for them. But here's the truth. The truth is, people who didn't believe saw him. They saw him raised from the dead and walk through their town. The Bible says there was many mighty witnesses. It is a historical fact, ladies and gentlemen, that Jesus rose from the dead. People who didn't believe saw him. And so that is the truth, right? So, and that's how we know it. So all the part of the armor, if we look at that, can you put that, um, can you put that picture back? Look at this picture just real quick. Watch this. And here's what this armor is. This armor, what it really represents, this armor represents doctrinal truths of the gospel. Let me say that again. These right pieces of armor, what they really represent is doctrinal truths of the gospel. Watch this. If you do not have right believing in any of these areas of the armor, these doctrinal truths, you will become vulnerable to the enemy. I like to say it this way. Wrong believing always leads to wrong living. But right believing always leads to right living. Right? Wrong believing leads to wrong living. Right believing leads to right living. Now, Jesus, you need to know this, always, God always operates in truth. As a matter of fact, Jesus made bold statements, right, that nobody, he, he didn't say, he didn't just talk about the truth. He did say, I'll tell you the truth, but he actually said, I am the way, the, come on, say it loud. I'm the way, the truth, and I am the truth. Woo! Man, that's a big statement. I am the way, the truth, and the life. You know this word, the belt of truth, the word truth in the Greek actually means this. What is true in any matter under consideration. In any matter, it's true. No matter what you're going through, truth is always truth. It doesn't change. It's just, oh, it's just good. Just because situations change, just because circumstances change, truth never changes. 
And if we can get this, right? We can get this. What makes truth so powerful is it never changes. That's why even, right, Jesus said in Hebrews 13, 8, he says, Jesus says, I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do you know that his power has not changed since the day he walked through Nazareth, since he did, the day he walked on earth and healed people? His power has not diminished with time. His power is still the same because he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Come on, can we give him a good round of applause because his power never changed. So here's what happens when I get into truth. And I want to encourage you. Listen, I'm not a guy that likes to eat salads, and you can probably tell that. To me, salads were acquired taste. It really was. But once you start eating salads, I love it. I became a lover of salads, right? It was an acquired taste. Well, for some of you reading the Word of God, you just are like, oh, whoa, cool. Let's just read the Word of God today. I, I just love it, right? That's not how it starts for most people. It is an acquired taste. What happens is you start reading the word of God. And here's what I have found. As you read the word of God, you are reading truth. And you can become a lover of truth. I have become a lover of truth. Watch this. Because I know what truth does. Now, it would be simple for me to say, yeah, you know what truth does because you just don't like to be lied to. Nobody likes to be lied to. I hate to be lied to. I've gone out with girls in high school that lied to me and said they didn't go out with this person or that person. And I found out they went out with this person and that person and many, many more. I don't like being lied to. But here's the thing. How are you going to know what a lie is if you don't know what truth is? Oh, come on, somebody. Come on. How do you, you, in order for you to know what a counterfeit is, you need to know what the truth is. I was reading about how bankers, how they train bankers to know what real money is and counterfeit money is. And what they were saying is that they don't just give them a whole bunch of counterfeit bills. What they do is they give them the real bills. And so they feel the real bills. They feel it. And as they feel it, once they know what the real bills feel like, money, when they feel a counterfeit bill, they know exactly what it is. And so when you love truth, you are going to know what the enemy's lies are. Here's the challenge. We have a biblically illiterate generation who does not know the Bible. They do not know truth. So here's what happens. If you don't know truth, you will be vulnerable and susceptible to lies. This is why people don't overcome. Can I hear a good amen today? So what does truth do? So when I slip on this truth that Paul is making an analogy of a belt, when I put this belt of truth on, here's what happens. It gives me freedom. Freedom and truth are always put together. The Bible says it, when you, when you uh, know the truth, the truth shall set you free. Truth has a freeing power. Power from what? Freeing from what? From lies, from deception. Come on, somebody, today. Right. I was thinking about how God came to Adam when he first made Adam. And in Genesis chapter two, verse 15, you can just write this down. You have to turn there. It says the Lord took the man and put him in the garden to work it and take care of it to eat. And, 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 uh, and the Lord commanded the man. Listen, listen to this in verse 16. He says the Lord commanded the man. It says you are free to eat from any tree of the garden. Listen to that. I know we don't talk about that a lot. But God said, you are free. You can eat from any tree in the garden except that one. But he said, you are free. 
So God is giving Adam a word. If Adam will listen to the word, he will stay free. Free. Freedom means I can say no to that tree of the knowledge of good and evil. But watch what the enemy does. Here's all the enemy does. The devil comes to him, and we're going to kind of dissect this more as we get into the helmet of salvation. All the enemy does is come because he says, he says, listen, and the Lord God commanded the man, you are free. Everybody say free. free. You are free to eat from the tree of in the garden, verse 17, but you must not eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For if you eat from that tree, you will surely die. That is truth. If I stay in truth, I will be free. But here's what the enemy does. Simple. You won't really die. You, you, you won't really die. Oh, really? I won't? <laughs> and guess what? They didn't die physically, but they did die spiritually. And you know why? And at that moment, what they did, man gave over his authority, his freedom to the devil. And now when we were born, all of us were born into sin. Why? We're not born into freedom. Have you ever taught your three-year-old child how to lie? Have you ever taught your two-year-old child how to lie? Have you ever taught your four-year-old child how to talk back to you? No. Where does that come from? Uh, that comes from great-great-great-grandpa Adam. It comes from great-grandpa Adam because that came through the blood. And so now you wonder why I have to battle this. Well, you have to battle it because we gave up our freedom. But here's the thing. Truth sets us free. So if I'm a lover of truth, I'm a lover of freedom. I want to be free. See, here's a man today. I didn't understand freedom. I thought freedom was, man, I can drink. I can party. And then there was a day that I couldn't stop partying. I couldn't say no anymore. Ladies and gentlemen, that's not freedom. Freedom is when you say, no, I don't have to do that anymore. I'm free. I am free. So what does freedom do? Uh, truth, what does truth do? Number one, truth will give you freedom. It'll set you free. But here's another thing that truth will do. Truth will give you stability and strength. Stability and strength. Do you remember when Jesus was talking about the Sermon on the Mount, he was talking about the guy who built his house on the rock. And here's what he, he basically said. He heard God's word, which is what? Truth. Heard his word, heard truth, and he acted on it. And when he acted on it, it was like, here's another analogy, he's building his house on what? This rock. And here come the rains. Now, let me just tell you an encouraging word today. This is going to bless you. The rains come to good people and bad people. We were talking about this yesterday with the men because people say, well, bad, you know, how come, you know, uh, bad things happen to good people? Well, good things do happen to bad people at times. They do. There's some people I'm like, Lord, did you? Man, they shouldn't. Okay, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. But in the Bible, even Jesus said, the rain's going to fall on the just and the unjust. So the rain's coming. The battle's coming. When I have truth, and I do it, it gives me stability. Jesus said when the rain came, right, and the storm came, the one who built his life on truth, what happened? He was standing and was stable. You can't be stable without strength. So truth gives us strength. And so same storm, two different people. One loved truth. One acted on truth. He was still standing. He was overcoming. 
He did it. The other one, and the Bible says, depending on what translation you use, the Bible says this. The Bible says that the fall of the house of the guy, he built his life on sand. Lies, deception, that's all sand. When the storm came, one translation says, great was the crash of his house. Two different people. Same storm. One was a lover of truth. I'm going to do that. I'm going to be a lover of truth. Because the truth is that truth protects you. And watch this. When I put on this belt of truth, the devil cannot operate in truth. Did you hear what I just said? The devil cannot operate in truth. Can I have a better amen? Amen. All right. I'm no Einstein, okay? Right? But mama didn't raise no fool either. So if the devil can't operate in truth, I overcome when I'm in truth and operating in truth. So why would I not want to operate in truth if I know that the devil operates in lies? And John 8, 4 4 says this, John 8, 44, talking about the devil. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth. For there is, listen to these words, there is no truth in him. Now, I've met some pretty good liars. There was some truth in them. But the Bible says the devil, there's no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar, liar, pumpkin eater. Right? Is that how it is? No? It's not cheater, cheater, pants on fire? Oh, no, no, it's liar, liar, pants on fire. Right? Oh, somebody's like, oh, okay, that's how it goes. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar. Watch this. And the father of all lies. What am I, why am I reading the scripture to you? The Bible says if we put on this armor, it will help us to stand against the wiles, the trickery, the methodology of the devil. So we're going to find out right now what is one of the methodologies of the devil. Lies. Lies. How do we combat lies? By knowing the truth. i got to know the truth. Is this good this morning? I don't mean, I don't want this to be a college lecture, but, but we're, we're going through a battle. And some of us, we need to get the truth back into our lives. So if the devil can't stand in truth, his goal, remember last week I talked to you about we're standing in victory, we're standing in peace. Now I'm standing in truth. So watch, here's his goal. If I stand in truth, I win. I overcome. But here's his goal. He's going to tell me a lie. He wants me to stand outside of the place of truth. And if I'm not standing in truth, then I'm in his territory. Watch this. So when I'm not standing in truth, let me say it this way. I become vulnerable to his attacks. And there are holes in my armor when I don't know truth. And so there's not supposed to be any holes in your armor. The armor was meant to cover you. Why? So you overcome. And when he starts throwing out those lies, you stand in a place of truth, right? And I put this in my notes. If your life isn't based on truth, then you're living a lie. What am I doing? I'm living a life that is vulnerable to the enemy. Listen to these words. I I thesaurus this word vulnerable. I thought, man, these words are so powerful. When I live a lie, I'm living a life that is exposed to the enemy. When you start to believe lies, ladies and gentlemen, 
It's like taking off your armor. It's like taking off the belt. It's like having holes in your armor. And guess, if you have a sniper, where do you think he's going to shoot you? You think he's going to shoot you where your helmet is? He's going to try to shoot you where there's a hole in your armor. And the reason why we fail to overcome, ladies and gentlemen, is because we believe a lie. And we're not covered in truth. Is this good this morning? I don't want any holes in my armor. Now, if there's a hole in my armor, it's because I believe the lie. That opens up the door for the enemy to start attacking, to come in, right, to oppress you. Some of us are depressed. And let me just break this down. Uh, I want to break this down even, even a little bit more, right? Let me break it down, right? Because when you know the truth, it'll cover you and you will overcome. But let me break it down a little bit more, all right? A person is stressed out, right? How many of you know life has stress? I know there's good stress, right? It's good stress, work it out, stress. Person has stress and anxiety, right? Now, they have, we all are faced with this question. What are we going to do with that stress? How are you going to handle the anxiety? We all have, anybody ever have anxiety? Let me, let me see your hand. You have anxiety, right? We have anxiety. It happens. The question becomes, what are you going to do to handle that anxiety? So you are faced with a decision. Some people, instead of going to Jesus Christ, they will go to Mr. Jack Daniels. Right? Now watch this. I'm not going to go through a whole theology on drinking, okay? But I will tell you this. The Bible is not against you drinking. The Bible is about against you getting drunk, okay? But what I have found is some people don't know the difference. And what they started as social drinking now has become an everyday thing that they are no longer free and can no longer say no to. And here, can I be honest with you? Now what's happening is you're exposing and taking off your armor. And so what you turn to, so let me give you this illustration. Somebody starts turning to Jack Daniels or his friend Jim Bean, right? Let's, let's break it down, break it down. What's really happening? Well, it's because I like the way it tastes. Oh, shut up. The truth is, you believe that Jack Daniels can help you cover your problems. Now, you won't say it. People don't say it. Oh, Jim Bean, please help. No, nobody says that, right? Oh, Jack Daniels, thank you for your help. Nobody, nobody talks like that. But what we believe is that there is a lie that these things, alcohol, can help me cope with my problems. Can I just be honest with you and tell you the truth? It's not helping you cope with your problems. The reality of it is it's becoming another problem in your life. Can let's just be honest. And listen, if you, if you struggle with that, we all struggle with different things. right? You may struggle with Jim Bean. I may struggle with a donut. Come on, somebody. And I'm praying against all these Dunkin' Donuts that keep opening up. I'm like, Jesus, stop opening up the Dunkin' Donuts. Come on, we all have our stuff. You're, you're laughing at me, but come on. I need to pray against Pinterest for you. <laughs> I, I love all that. I'm just saying. We can go to these things. And so now Jack Daniels, in our mind, instead of going to our Savior who can satisfy us, the Bible says that I'm supposed to cast all my cares on him because he cares for me. You know, the Bible says that if we'll, um, 
if we'll um, submit our life under the mighty hand of God, we can cast our cares. What is that again? That's just a dependence and a rest on Jesus and his strength. But when I go to Jack Daniels or Mr. Jim Bean, here's what's happening. I'm believing a lie that they are more powerful than what God has for me. And ladies and gentlemen, you have a hole in your armor. And I know people have a good friend who overcame alcoholism. And a couple years ago, I heard that he had passed away and I didn't know what happened. I was, I was actually a little mad at God. I'm like, God, what? And it just so happened one time I ran into his wife and we talked and I said, hey, how, how's he doing? What happened? And she said, Phil, he went back to the bottle. And as, as tough as that is, the simplistic answer is he believed a lie that got him out of a place of truth and exposed him to the enemy. And the enemy will kill, steal, and destroy. And can I tell you, you know what he wants to do? He wants to ruin your testimony too because you're a child of God. He wants to prove to the world that this thing does not work. This thing, and you know what? It does work if you'll keep your belt on. My friend, you know what he did? He took his belt off, the belt of truth, and he believed the lie, and he got deceived. Let me just give me, can, am I helping anybody today? Listen, there are some people you feel lonely. Feelings of loneliness happen to all of us. Loneliness doesn't go away. How can, can the married people say amen? Loneliness doesn't go away just because you got married. Okay, nobody wants to admit that. That's okay. That's for the marriage conference. Well, the marriage conference. They happen. You know why they happen? Because they're feelings. Feelings, nothing more than feelings. That's what they are. And they happen to all of us. And you thought, okay, I got married. I'm not going to feel lonely. You're still a little lonely. You had kids. Oh, we have a family, right? Still feel lonely. And then you're like, I'm going to get a dog. I will never feel lonely again once I have a dog. And all the cat people are like, no, you need a cat. I'd never felt lonely again after I got my cat. Really? You can't even find those things. You walk into people's house like, where's the cat? I don't know. But we love him. He makes an appearance twice a year, Christmas and Easter, like some Christians, and so he'll come out. But, you know, oh, well, we're not lonely anymore. I love you cat people. I really do. But I just don't understand the concept. Like, but if you do have a cat, invite me over. I will bring my laser pointer because they love those things. But there's all these misconceptions. But just think about it just for a moment. This is how he works. And today, what's happening, people are getting lonely. And so here, in your loneliness, what do you do with it? You get on your computer. You look at something that's inappropriate. And now you don't even have to have a computer. You can have the computers right in your hand. It's right here. And nobody will know. And so here's what happens. The truth is, pornography can never satisfy your loneliness. And some of us who've had that, and it's not just males. It's the statistics now with, with ladies, listen, we're in an, why you, I can't believe I went to church and the guy talked about pornography. I'm, we're in an overcoming series. And for some of you, you need to overcome that. Thank you, I got one preach it. <laughs> I can't say preach it because somebody might think I'm looking at pornography. No. <laughs> we're just funny. Can, can, we, can we just laugh at ourselves for just a moment? Here's the thing. I'm just trying to help. So what do we do? We believe a lie. That if we look at that, 
is going to satisfy our loneliness. And the truth is, you're more lonely than you've ever been. And not only are you more lonely, listen to these words, you're empty. Because you're not going to Jesus anymore. You believed a lie that pornography satisfies. And my church family, here's what you're doing. You're taking off your belt and exposing and being vulnerable to the enemy. I know people as a pastor that I have counseled who have lost their families, have lost their job. They thought looking at pornography in the bathroom was enough, but it didn't, it didn't stop. They thought they were free to look at pornography, but it didn't stop when they went to the bathroom. It happened at work because they could no longer say no. And guess what happened? I know people who lost their job and lost their family because of pornography. And let me, let me dial it all back. You know where it came from? They believed a lie. They believed a lie. They believed a lie. And when you do that, you take off your belt and you become vulnerable to the enemy. Can I just tell you, we all deal with loneliness. I deal with it at times. And here's, a, here's my solution. I've turned my loneliness into a loneness with God. Whenever I start to feel those feelings, I know I need to spend some time with God. And I'll tell him, God, I'm feeling, I, I just, and I just start talking with him just like I'm talking with you. And I will tell you, I walk out of my house many times fulfilled, satisfied, because really what loneliness is, you need a connection. And you need a connection with God. And we need to get back to that. And I want to remind us today, your physical strength, your human, the best will that you have is not enough. Because the truth is, if it was enough, you would have already overcome. And you're not. So we need the supernatural armor. And can I just tell you today as I close, some of us need to put our belts back on. I love truth now. I love truth. It actually, I get irritated and break out in rashes when I think people are lying to me. I'm kidding, I don't. But because I understand what can happen when we begin to not walk in truth. And some of us need to put our our, our belt back on. Now watch this. How do I experience freedom, Pastor Phil? You may be dealing with some of these areas and I, I wanna pray for you. I'm not gonna ask you to come up for the front. I'm just gonna pray. But here's the truth. Freedom comes at the point of your honesty that you say, I am addicted to this. I am doing this. David had gone through a whole bunch of stuff, David in the Bible. In Psalms 51, 6, he said this. Behold, he's talking to God. He says, you desire truth in the inner parts. Listen, you can fool me. You can fool your job. You can fool your, you, can, you may be able to fool your spouse, but you will never fool God. And here's where we start. I desire, he desires truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden part, you will make me know wisdom. We have got to come back to a place of truth and being honest with God. Let me just say this, and then I'll pray. For some of us, if you were honest today, you would even say this about your Christianity. The truth is, some of you in this room are going through the motions with God. You're going through the motions. And you're here today, and I applaud you. But the truth is, you're, you're starting to believe this lie. Well, does this thing all work? Does this, I'm not just not. It doesn't work if you are going through the motions. And that you got to be honest with God and say, you know what, God? I've just been, I don't want to say the word, but I've just been half-butting this. I have just been, you know, going through the motions. God, I need a real touch from you today. Because if you 
don't do it. I can't do it. But it takes someone of courage to be honest with where they're at today. And at those moments, there's freedom, my church family. Because when you know truth and you have truth, I'll tell you what, freedom comes. And there is nothing more greater than freedom. The Bible says it was for freedom that Jesus set us free. Let's get dressed for battle and let's put our belts on and let's be overcomers today. Come on, can we give the Lord a great round of applause? Thank you for listening today. We hope that you were encouraged and uplifted by today's message. For more information about Passion Life Church, visit us online at passionlifechurch.com.